Well, can you believe it? Week six is done. We're going to be heading into week seven. But first, a look back at week six. Welcome into the State Champs Extra Point Podcast. My name is Sean Belegian. I'm sitting in for Lauren Plant today. Of course, of course, Matthew Mowry is here. Scott Bernstein is here. Uh, Johnny Kidd is here. Look at look at our boy over there. Always taking care of business. On the wheels Kevin. of steel. Always KT. taking care of business. Before we get into the action, always got to make sure that we thank our sponsors. Thanks to Lawrence Tech. Love everything that you guys do. MHSAA, thank you. Without you, we wouldn't be here. And, of course, Hungry Howie's. And might I add, try the Cajun crust all over the pizza. Oh, I, get, I get the Cajun oh. crust with the butter parmesan. I oh. mix them. Try you know try it all over the pizza oh, good, as man. well. All right, uh, the featured games from week six and and Bernie, we're going to start with you. Uh, you know it's interesting. Lakeland knocks off Wald Lake Western by a score of twenty eight to seven. Pretty comfortable fashion. See, you know that's what I wanted to say to you. Uh, somebody might say, "What's going on with Wald Lake Western?" Perhaps the question should be, "What's going on with Lakeland?" Yeah, well, I think there there are two big takeaways from this game. First off, um, Robbie Tracy, Lakeland senior running back, has a license to thrill. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna nickname him the uh, the Bogey Lake Boogeyman. This guy gives uh, coordinators and uh, opposing defenders nightmares with what he can do with the the, the slicing and dicing uh, through lines. He ran for 282 and four touchdowns. Uh, really a career game for him, and uh, he runs so much bigger than his actual size. I've seen him a couple times now. And uh, this is the first time I was actually face to face with him after a game, and I was expecting. Uh, I was like, "Case, can someone get me Tracy?" A lot of the guys had taken off their uh, their pads and their jerseys, so they didn't have numbers on. I was like, "Hey, can you get me Tracy?" And they brought him over, and I kind of did a double take. I was expecting this kind of bruising, uh, uh, broad shouldered, uh, you know, uh, like a TJ Duckett type, because right. he runs. You know, he, he's not an edge edge runner. He goes right up in between the tackles. Um, but he's a tiny guy. He's only about five seven, five eight, maybe. Uh, and but I mean, just he runs with such heart and such determination and such grit. And he had over a thousand uh, yards last year as a junior, and and, and this year I believe uh, he's edging towards a thousand, if not over a thousand. And just this is one of the best rushing performances I've seen this year. Mm. Um, just gouging that Wild Lake Western defense, gashing them, play after play. Took the first. Uh, handoff of the game went 80 yards for the touchdown. Went to the house, uh, scored in each uh, every quarter, and uh, like I said, 282, and uh, was just lights out all night. The other takeaway is that Wald Lake Western has a real Achilles heel. Um, they, the, the kryptonite to Wald Lake Western is physicality, and uh, the the game against Lakeland in Week Six was almost a carbon copy. Uh, of what we saw in week one with Catholic Central. And I think the Lakeland coaches really uh, watched that tape and, and, and realized that they played maybe a similar style uh, to Catholic Central and, and, and implemented a lot of stuff that they saw in that tape. And, you know, right now it looks like uh, Wall Lake Western is, is, is strictly a finesse team with a lot of big-time Division One recruits sure. at finesse positions, quarterbacks, wide receivers, um, C.J. Brown, who's their uh, stud safety, who's, who's uh, now ru- rushing the football. But um, if, if, if you smack this team in the nose and play traditional smash-mouth football, they have a lot of problems. Mm, interesting. And, and they got to get that defense fixed. 
Um, C.J. Brown got slowed down in, in the running game after going over 100 yards the last two weeks. He only had about 30 yards this week. And then it was just, you know, Sam Johnson, your Boston College-bound quarterback, is really good, but he can only do so much. And he, he was like, uh, I think, 12 of 18 for about 230, um, ran in a 15-yard touchdown at the end of the half to make it 14-7. But, you know, if, if he has no rushing game and your defense is continually giving up these big big plays, it, you know, you're kind of wasting your, your big-time four-star uh, quarterback. So those are my two takeaways from that game. By the way, before I forget, these are games that were all featured on State Champs TV, and you can check them out on our website now, statechamps.net. And last thing I'll say uh, about kind of the overall look of what's going on in the LVC, uh, Lakeland has won three straight now uh, after losing uh, two in a row to Mott and South Lyon, and that LVC race (laughs) is just jumbled up like, like you would, like you would have never expected at the start of the year, and we said on, on the on the uh, football forecast, we talked about how uh, the coaches' poll before the season had ranked uh, Lakeland and Waldeck Western as your co-favorites. Well, right now it's a crapshoot. You got Lakeland, South Lions on top all by itself. Five and zero. Then you got uh, Waldeck Western and South Lion East. Then four and one. Then you got Mott and and uh, uh, and Lakeland at four and two. Yeah, and so you got the next, six teams. Next two weeks is going to kind of hash that out because you've got. Um, East and Western play, and then South Lion and Mott play next week. And then the week after that, it's South Lion and Wild Lake Western, and Mott gets Northern, and South Lion East has Milford. And then the final week of the season, um, South Lion and South Lion East. So but next three weeks, it's going to be it's it's gonna, probably going to go right down to the wire. And I think we like we said in the preview show that we kind of ha- thought maybe it would be decided by that that Mott Western game and it certainly has yeah. not been primarily because those South Lion schools have become you know factors in a race what, that maybe we didn't an, think they would be what an emphatic statement by South Lion East to, to beat up on water for Mott like they did 37 yeah. six a lot yep. of turnovers and, and yep. uh, they they got a coach I want to shout out Joe Pacey um, who is a Farmington Hills Harrison John Harrington disciple he played quarterback for Harrington I believe his brother also did in the 1990s and he's coming over there and uh Really instilling some excitement and, and, and a lot of discipline and a lot of, um, a lot really of quality football, fundamentally sound yeah. football over at South Line East. They've given up 57 points in six games. Mm. I mean, when you just over a touchdown, between a touchdown and a field goal, you know, per game, you're in some games. And that's primarily been what they did. I think that's how they beat Mott, wasn't it, with a bunch of turnovers and kind of a defensive struggle. Well, another game that we're going to be talking about a little bit, um, Temperance Bedford, you wanted us out there. We came out there. Monroe comes away with a forty-one to six victory. Monroe five and one now on the season. Yeah, it only got stopped once in seven possessions. Mm. I mean, when you score on six out of seven possessions, you're probably going to have a good day. And it was kind of a, a little bit of everybody. Malik Linton was five five for seven passing, one hundred and sixty one hundred and sixty yards, two touchdowns, uh, ran for two touchdowns. You know, it's Monroe looks like they have a shot. Serious shot because they have Pioneer three and three, um, and Celine is the other team in that that SEC that's that red that's uh, you know is right there. If Celine gets past Huron, which they should, zero and six team, and Monroe gets past Pioneer, we're looking at a uh, an essentially an OAA red showdown between Monroe and I'm sorry. SEC Red uh, Showdown on October 12th between those two teams. And uh, great for, for a program like Monroe that's not necessarily been one of the powerhouses in, in that conference to, to kind of take their turn. 
And they also got the Golden Cleat Trophy for love the fir- first yeah. time in love four it. years. We yeah. love those trophies. That's games. absolutely. Uh, by the way, you know what's interesting is we move on to uh, Forts in, in Belleville. Coach uh, Jermaine Crowell said his, his players have to stop looking at the headlines. Maybe that would be easier if they would stop making the headlines. That's well, a big win. And, yeah. you know, in a big win, yeah. you want your big-time players to step up. Yeah. And by all accounts, Belleville's big-time players yeah, stepped I, up. I, I talked about on the football forecast that this was going to really be a uh, underclassman, upperclassman battle under center. And uh, Christian uh, uh, Dewey-Reed played excellent, uh, the, the underclassman quarterback for, for Belleville. Four touchdowns on the day, three through the air. And then I also... Uh, uh, predicted uh, Julian Barnett would uh, break out on offense. He had a 50-yard. I know he had at least one 50-yard touchdown uh, hookup with with Dewey Reed. And um, but I will, you know, give Fortune credit. I, I said I think in, on, on the predictions that I thought this would be a two touchdown victory for for. Uh, for Belleville, but Forston was right in there to the very 29-26 end. 29-26 final. And Barnett had a couple, right? I know he had one. He had Barnett had two, okay. When I first saw Julian Barnett, which it was either the end of his freshman year or the start of his sophomore year, someone told me I need to go see this kid. And I ended up, I forgot who they were playing, and I went and watched him, and I, and I was just blown away by his, um, his home run potential as a wide receiver, sure, and then move into the the summer uh, uh, after his or before his junior year, um, you know, he's being slotted as a corner. But I really think he, he, he can't wherever he lands in college, and he's obviously going to Michigan State as a defensive back. But I would not be shocked if if somehow he ends up on the other side of the ball because he is a he's a burner back there. Well, we said this right off the jump when we talked about the teams moving from the Western Wayne to to the KLA East that this was going to be better for them because both of them, Belleville and Fortson, kind of, uh, aside from when they played each other, had such an easy run of it in that conference that didn't make them better. And you looked at the disparity, and specifically from the Belleville standpoint, you looked at the disparity of their scores in league and then against the three KLA opponents they played, including Canton in the playoffs when they lost. It was it was mind boggling because they were beating you know the teams in their league by forty points and then they were playing KLA teams and winning you know a couple by two or three and losing one by I think seven in the playoffs. These both of these teams you know regardless of what the outcome was of this game both of these teams are going to be better come playoff time for having played the competition sure. and getting through this gauntlet i mean 3 of belleville's 6 wins have come by a total of 13 points you know week 1 against brighton when they had to come back in the last yeah. minute uh, this fortson game and i believe it was westland glen that they had to kind of sneak by at the very end teaches you how to finish and when you're playing your stars in the fourth quarter and they're getting that experience of that oh my gosh we could lose this game as opposed to you know sitting on the bench and you know taking selfies or whatever you're doing in a 40-point blowout it's this this is a good thing for both of these programs and yeah it didn't go the way Fortson wanted it to and this was kind of their shot to you know make a, a real statement and you know and probably bump way up in the in the in the rankings but come playoff time both of these teams are going to be better for this I mean, Jami is an electric yes. quarterback yeah. for for Fordson. Yep. So, uh, you know, anytime you got a talent like that, you, you give yourself a pretty good chance. And, and you and know, Jafar is running right in the backfield. Right. Yeah, they've got 
weapons all over. This is Extra Point Week 6. The gang is all here. Johnny Kidd, you were in uh, PSL territory. Oh, yeah. This is one that we talked about. You know, uh, Western and Osborne, we, we thought that this might be a defensive battle. Both of these defenses have been so good this year. John, by all accounts, this was a defensive battle. Yeah, and um, credit Osborne. This was their first division title mm. in school history. And Western going into the game, too, they were also going for their first division title ever, too. School's been around for 100 years. Mm. And never a football. Yeah, when you think division. of Detroit Western, you think of baseball. Right? And basketball. Yeah. Well, and basketball with McDowell uh, more recently. And Western beat Osborne 24 nothing last year. And, you know, with the realignments of the PSL, you know, they were in the same division this year. Osborne got up 12 nothing. Western made a quick comeback quick, but Osborne with two key interceptions in the second half, and they won, and now they're division champs and probably going to make the playoffs here. You know, one more win gets them in the playoffs. Great story. I love hearing stories like that. You know, I, I know we're going to get to one in a little bit up north, but well, you, you got to love hearing stories like that. It's also cool that, you know, last uh, week we talked about, you know, some of the, the under-the-radar gems uh, in the PSL. We talked about Taj Stewart at, at, at Mumford, um, and, you know, now, we're, we're you know, you got a guy like Osborne under center like Isaiah Watts, and, you know, you have these guys that, you know, aren't getting the the big time offers and aren't getting the headlines because if you're not Cass or King, you kind of get forgotten about in the PSL. Sure. But uh, you know, whether you're talking about Stewart over at Mumford or, or Watts over at Osborne, those, those are playmakers. Those are game changing talents in the pocket. Right, and this is a quick turnaround too. This is a one and eight team last year. Yeah. They got shut out four times. Wow. And for them to you know have that, if they've. If, you mentioned the defense, only giving up 44 points in six games. Osborne went, they had a streak from 73 to 87 where they you know, had 15 straight seasons without a losing season. But since then, they've only had six winning seasons. Hmm. So to have one of these kind of years, as you said, everybody in the PSL basically gets lost in the wash behind you know, King and Cass that get so much of the attention. But this is a good story. Hmm. And congratulations to these kids for, for having yeah. something to, yeah. you know. And kids that to, go to Osborne, you know, uh, PS, those are tough kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That is a tough yep. neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, those are kids that, that when they hit the gridiron, uh, they mean business. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, River Rouge week one, you, you both mentioned Cass. I, everybody said don't read too much into that. This is a good River Rouge team, and all they've done is go on and prove that. Uh, they win going away at Harper Woods by a score of 35-7, to John. And then, um, then we found out before the game, like, two of Harper Woods' quarterbacks were ineligible for the well, game. The first stringer, Corey Graham, and then the backup, who I'm not sure who that yeah. is. But yeah, So they had to play like a JV kid uh, at quarterback. And it'd be so. interesting to see how it's going to all play out if you know if you know if they're going to be ineligible for those other games earlier in the year. That's that are they going to have to be forfeits? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It depends. Well, and anytime you see a situation like that, and you know it going into it, you see a bunch of kids who transfer all at once. Your eyebrow goes up, and it doesn't mean that there's necessarily anything wrong. It's just one of those where, when it eventually comes out, you go, nah, yeah, and it's. It sucks for the kids, and it, frankly, it sucks for this game because we had all kind of circled this sure. as this was the the time where both of them would be tested, and it it stinks that you get to this point and you don't have yeah. the kids on the field that you kind of predicted would be in, in that early red flags, yeah. like within yeah. the first couple days of right. Rod Odin taking that job. I don't remember if it was the free press or the news, but one of the the big dailies reported that there were a number of kids that immediately transferred, and their paperwork was fishy. Um, I, I don't like I said, I don't remember it was the free press or news, but it was that first week that that uh, Odin moved over there, and a couple of the kids I know got blocked from from making the move because they were kind of lying about their addresses or whatnot. So 
you know, the, they've been under the microscope and, you know, someone kind of pulled a card uh, early or at the end of last week, I guess, and, and reported them for, I don't know what they reported with Corey Graham. I mean. Well, I think that was the second week he'd missed, wasn't it? Was Somebody it? said okay. that, yeah, he was gone last week, I think. So I'm not exactly sure what the yeah. issue is, but, you know, he's one of the, 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 the cogs, one of the key cogs in that motor uh, that, that runs that offense. And, you know, he's a guy that um, has, you know, obviously there's the, the Jordan, the Jordan Andersons and, and the, um, and the, and the Elijah Griffins and uh, uh, Rayshon Gullies, the, the big, the big uh, uh, division one prospects, but you know, that offense doesn't do what it does or do what it had been doing those first five weeks without Corey Graham. And, you, you know, then you take away the backup and you ask them to go into a huge showdown like that with a kid that's never played on the varsity level. I mean, you're at a severe disadvantage. Well, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, um, and then also, too, uh, credit River Rouge. You know, yeah, you know, we, you know, lost. Oh, Manny River. Fresh was uh, yeah. living up to Emmanuel the, Ferguson. the nickname. And well, the, the, the weather to. was bad before, right before the game. It rained off and on, but. I thought River Rouge, you know, they had to change their game plan a little bit, and it was just a running attack, and it was mostly Emmanuel Ferguson. Yeah. You know, he's really has taken that offense by storm we were, we were just talking a, a second ago, at, uh, you know, we are talking about Osborne, tough kids. I mean, Manny Fresh, Emmanuel Ferguson, he is tough as nails. You know, he's the type of guy that, that uh, isn't afraid of contact. He'll stay in the pocket to make the throw when he knows he's going to get knocked on his, on his tush. He'll, he'll take off and, and, and initiate contact when he's, when he's running, you know, almost to the point where you're like, you know, hit the sideline, hit the sideline. <laughs> you don't need to, 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 to go head first into the middle linebacker. But uh, that type of um, uh, behavior on the field and, and that type of, uh, you know, um, that mentality, you know, inspires the the, the, the teammates around him, and, and, it, and it kind of infuses them with that same that same mindset, and and that's why uh, River Rouge is five and one in right now, and five and one right now, and they you know they've been to the final four I think three straight years, and they have a great chance to, to go back and and uh, make a run to Ford Field again. They took care of business. I mean, that's one of those games too where you you see all the turmoil on the other side, and you can goof around and think it might have an easy game, and you got to credit them for not. And for kind of putting the pedal down and, and doing what they had to to get through that game and get a win, because there's really, I mean, in that in that case, there's no win scenario for them other than just get through this game. Because all you can do is is have bad things happen if you take it lightly. Great story continues on the Sunrise side of the state. Uh, Oscoda, you know, we talked about it just a few days ago. Uh, finally, had a share of a division title, their first since 1976. Um, you know they had something to prove, Matt. I know you're familiar with that area. I'm so happy for their community. Uh, they knock off Tawas by a score of 50 to 15. They have got to be celebrating in Oscoda right now. You would think they're dancing in uh, the uh, ruins of Wurtsmith Air Force yeah. Base. Yeah, it's it's one where that program has been kind of dormant and it always had the potential of being something but they just could never seem to quite put it together and i think they still have to beat whittemore prescott before they can clinch it correct yep, but yep, yep, and, yep. and that's trust me that's it's no easy tie. task yep. yeah but um they've got five wins now and they've only had more than five wins in a season four times in the last 42 years wow. since that last title and it was uh 99 back-to-back playoff years at seven wins 2015 and 2017. So it's been recently, you know, aside from that one little blip that they've gotten good. 
they've won the last two against Whittemore Prescott, but they'd lost the last 15. So that's been one that that's been kind of their, and Whittemore Prescott for a large portion of the nineties and two thousands was just dominated that area of the state. So, and it's obviously not that same Whittemore Prescott program, but there still are some, you know, that's still a tough out. So, well, the, the last of our featured games, this was a matchup between two 4-0 teams. By all accounts, it sounded like a good game. Eight Hillman, player. eight player, player of course. Oh, yeah. Hillman gets the win at home, uh, 38-34. Check that Hillman Hillman had one loss. Uh, Posen, Posen uh, ends up losing 38-34. Hillman with so the victory like, at home. You know, a classic heavyweight championship prize fight, just standing in the center of the ring, exchanging blows. Uh, Hillman and, and Posen hadn't played in 10 years, um, renewed the rivalry, and um, I believe it was Gabe Steinecke with the uh, game-winning score. And, uh, you know, anytime you got over 70 points scored in a game, um, again, when you're talking about two rivals, uh, it's worth the price of admission. And, and Corey Hennigan and, uh, and, and those, those Hillman uh, uh, footballers really got the job done. And, and anytime you think of eight-player football, a lot of times, and we talked about this in the preview show too, it tends to be a little more wide open, a little more mm-hmm. passing-oriented, a little more. That was never, when in, in the heyday, that was never Hillman football. Hillman football was load up the box, jumbo set, we're going to pound it down your throat. And I think that's the interesting kind of twist that they bring to eight-player football is that's still the mentality they want to have. And when they had that game-winning drive, it was 11 plays, and it took nearly six minutes off the clock before Steinecke scored from from four yards out. But that's kind of the the interesting twist that they wanted to, you know, that they, they're they still going to ground and pound at Hillman, and it's and it's effective sometimes when, when even though, you know, most people are going to more spread-out formation and it'll be interesting to watch them over the next couple of years and see how that you know manifests itself and see if they still carry on kind of that tradition but it's always fun when you get little little school rivals especially ones that as we mentioned they're not far apart they're 12 miles apart i think and which they, is, which it makes it even you know more special that they yeah. renew this robbery yep. they hadn't played in 10 years and, yeah. they're, they're, and there's that short yep. distance between them other games of interest around the state we're going to blow through these get some thoughts uh, from the guys on a couple of them uh, what do you say about Mr. Brown? All he does is win. I mean, that's just the way it is. Madison uh, Heights Madison knocks off previously unbeaten Farmington by a score of 28-6. to six. Uh, Bernie, I, I, I know you had uh, an eye on this one. Yeah, well, you know, when you're talking about uh, Austin Brown, you're talking about, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Michigan. Um, you're talking about someone who is just a, uh, a playmaking machine, someone who can dissect defenses, someone who can lead in the huddle, someone who's going to beat you with their mind, beat you with their arm, and beat you with their legs. Um, just such a special player. And uh, he's now won 40 games at the high school level. Unbelievable. I mean, even more than that, he's got 6,000 career yards yeah. and almost 100 career touchdowns. That's I mean, absurd. that's just those, those are the games when you play video games on easy level. That's what that's what that is. I really hope that he goes to Marshall, um, and I'm going to throw out another reference point. You know, people know I, I, I love the amazing Jason Alessi, and Alessi went to uh, Yale uh, initially for lacrosse, lacrosse yeah, but lacrosse. ended up being a, a, an all Ivy League safety uh, as a quarterback as well. He was a was a was an all Ivy League in two sports. 
Um, so I, I would love to see Austin Brown. He's going to Marshall for baseball. He's talked about how he's probably going to walk on for football there. I would love to see him become a, a two-sport standout down in West Virginia and, and just show all those, uh, all, all those in Appalachia what we got up here in the mitten in, in, in a talent like Austin Brown because well, he, is, he is a firecracker of a talent. We'll get to Matt Mowry's rankings updates momentarily. Matt, I know you wanted to chime in. Yeah, and one of the interesting things is I think people looked at this and went, oh, this is a Max Silver against an OAA Blue. Oh, isn't that cute? You know, these are two key. <laughs> okay, you look at Madison's playoff points – after six weeks of the season, and there are only five other teams that have more points in this, not in Class C, mm. yeah. in exactly. the state. In the state yeah, it's um, Jackson is tied with them with 100 playoff points. Chip Valley, DeWitt, Belleville, and Muskegon. Mm. Those are the only other teams that have more playoff points than Madison right now. They're probably more than likely, unless anything you know weird happens over the last couple of weeks, they're going to go into the playoffs as the number one seed in their mm-hmm. division, and they're going to have a ton of playoff points. Some of the other games that we covered last week, just to blow through some scores, Jackson gets a win. Their magic season continues. They knock off Ypsilanti Lincoln in convincing fashion, 39-14. to How about Lapeer rolling? They rolled over Grand Blank by a them? score of 42-10. Apple, the quarterback for <laughs> Lapeer. I've been thinking about that for the last couple of days. Yeah. I got, I had to <laughs> you cut wow. straight up the middle of the state. Saginaw Swan Valley. I was following yep. on Twitter. Saginaw yep. Swan Valley at uh, Alma. How did that turn out? Well, in Alma knew that they, going in, they were going to have to play an almost perfect game sure. to beat Swan Valley because Swan Valley is a machine and they're, they've got it rolling. It did not go that way. You know, they, they matched touchdowns for the first, you know, couple of drives and Breck Allward who, you know, came into the game for Alma having over a thousand yards and 16 touchdowns in five games, took one up the middle, 68 yards, split a crease. And at that point you thought, Oh, well, we're going to have a shootout. Didn't turn out that way. Um, it, it, Terry on Liddell picked off a pass. I believe it was the next drive of the drive after for our, for Alma. Picked off a pass for Swan Valley. Took it back to the house. And after that, it was just you know Swan Valley just poured it on. You look at the two teams personnel wise, and Alma's got you know Drew Hummel quarterback and Breck Allward in the backfield, and Jacob Torres who had a couple of long kick returns. They've got the skill position players similar, maybe not quite the level of, of the Swan Valley kids, but at least comparable. The biggest difference is on the lines. And Swan Valley's got a bunch of three-year starters, a bunch of big boys. Alma had to replace all five of their offensive linemen coming off last year, and that was the main difference. They just could not open creases for Alward. 34-6, to your final there. Elsewhere, Mount Pleasant, they stay unbeaten. They knock off Midland 40-20. to Dansville with a big victory over Fowler at Dansville 40-9. to uh, This looked like an interesting one. We had talked Groziel hadn't been at home. There's no place like home. They knock off Monroe uh, St. Mary's CC by a score of 33-14. to and uh, this looked like a good one as well. Uh, Flint uh, Hamity knocks off uh, Hamity knocks off uh, Goodrich by a score of thirty-four to twenty-eight. The yes, the Martians. You got to love that. Hamity six and zero for the first time since nineteen eighty. There's another great yeah. story. I love seeing that. Yep. Hey, listen, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Matt Mowry will update his rankings. We also want to update you on some of the other things uh, going on as well, including the Anvil Award. Just an outstanding addition to the state champs playbook we'll talk about that coming up as well this is extra point week six don't go anywhere 
I want to be a dermatologist, and though a lot of universities tried to recruit me for basketball, Lawrence Tech had the science curriculum that I wanted. LTU Southfield Campus is a great place to learn, and the classes are small enough that I don't have to wait for office hours to talk to my professors. They're usually right by my side, challenging me and guiding me toward a successful future. Lawrence Tech, possible is everything. You ready, Darius? Let's do it. Anybody want an autograph? Autograph? We're here for the stuffed crust pizza. Stuffed crust pizza? Hey, who do you think you are? End of the line, pal. Flavor fanatics love stuffing their faces with our stuffed flavored crust. Get one for only $2 more on any large original round pizza. Hungry? Howie's! Today, let's talk about a new rule for the soccer season. There's a change in soccer rules this year on plays where a defender denies an obvious goal scoring opportunity within their own penalty area. The penalty has been amended depending on whether or not the referee determines that the defensive player was attempting to play the ball when committing the foul. If so, the defender will receive a yellow card rather than a red card, and a penalty kick will be awarded. Here are a couple examples where the defender was playing the ball, which now results in a yellow card. This eliminates the previous double jeopardy on the play, a PK and a red card. Of course, in those circumstances where there was no attempt to play the ball, the defender is still disqualified. Here's an example of a play where a red card would be issued. This brings the high school rule in line with college and international rules. For more information about soccer, visit the MHSAA website. All right, welcome back in. It is Extra Point Week 6. So glad you could join us. Again, always want to make sure that we share some love with our sponsors. LTU, we appreciate you greatly. The MHSAA and Hungry Howies. As I said, make sure Matt is working on a new ranking as well. There was some debate off the air. Now, we can't share that footage with you. We can't let you into the inner sanctum of state champs, but there was some debates off the air and Matt will have that for you. So make sure you follow Matt. If you don't already make sure you follow Matt uh, on the social media, on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, guys, let's move on. I, I said this before. I, I thought this was a great idea. I don't know who came up with the idea, but they deserve a raise. It was Lou, the, the boss, what? the big boss man. We're not giving the boss a raise, <laughs> um, but no, I great idea. You know, before we had, our, our Hungry Howie's Player of the Year. And it's so hard if you're a lineman to get the love in uh, a situation like that. So we created the Anvil Award. And, and guys, uh, to put it mildly, Matt... Uh, we have a pretty good competition going on. Yeah, we've got we've got some guys on the watch list that you would think, oh, these are slam dunks to be, you know, leading the pack, and they haven't even, you know, kind of bumped up into the into the top ten yet. I think both of the Clarkston kids, Spindler and, and Dellinger, are on the yeah. watch list, and yeah, it's, it's just so deep. The state of Michigan has had such a run in the last handful of years on the big nasties in yeah. the trenches, yep. guys that. Um, are obviously high-level power conference recruits like the guys we have on this uh, uh, award candidate list right now. But really, uh, I'll just throw out you know, two of the names on our, on our list right now. Like guys like Logan Brown and Devontae Dobbs, you know, uh, you know, I'm not trying not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but these are guys that have le legitimate 
opportunities to be first round NFL draft picks. Mm. And and you know maybe other guys on this list too, but those are the the two uh, you know five stars that that pop out at me and guys that just they have the athleticism, the agility, the size, and the technique um, at the point of attack. To, to, to really thrive at the next level. And uh, Devontae's going to Michigan State. Logan's going to Wisconsin. They'll be rivals at the college level. Uh, a couple years back, we had a, uh, an offensive lineman from the state of Michigan go number one in the NFL draft, and Eric Fisher um, from Stony Creek, who's, who's uh, anchoring the line at, uh, with the Kansas City Kansas Chiefs right now in that explosive offense. Um, so, you know, the, the talent, you know, the guys that, you know, that are doing the dirty work in the shadows. And that's why this yeah. this award is is so special. These guys are are so hand or were so handicapped in the race for Mr. Football just because uh, the metrics are you know it's it's difficult to to gauge you know w- what they're doing on the line when you compare it. Well, maybe not difficult to gauge, but difficult to compare it to you know when a, when a guy's you know throwing the ball, you know throwing for three thousand yards and, and thirty five touchdowns as opposed to the guy that's keeping his jersey clean. Sure. And what intrigues me, minus Rogers, since he's the only junior on the list, the other nine, they're committed and they're staying committed. You don't hear about this kid's going to look at this school, yeah. even though he, oh, I'm going to decommit. These nine are solid to their schools. Hard commits. And, and, you know, Bradford's uh, – Anthony Bradford Muskegon's going down to the SEC to pe- play at LSU. Justin Rogers, the one junior on this list, has, has kind of made it known to the recruiting world that he doesn't want to stay in state, that it, it, it looks like it's either going to be Ohio State or an SEC school. Um, Kentucky. That's what, that's what blows my mind. I mean, you're seeing more and more SEC schools yeah, kind of here. matriculate up yeah. here, and players matriculate down there. It's yeah. amazing how much that's increased in recent years. But then you also could have situations like um, over at Notre Dame right now, Khalid Kareem, who's having a great year with, with the Fighting Irish. Uh, he committed to Alabama, and then the last second switched gears and went to Notre Dame. Mm. So sometimes, you know, that, that allure of going to play in the SEC – uh, you know, can, can, can kind of get you a little, maybe a little punch drunk, and then w- once you come to your senses, you know, I want to, you know, stay a little, stay in the Midwest, and and it's playing out for him. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing a great job. He's doing okay. Well, much like our our hungry and Howie's then, root rookies going to, you know, going to Clemson. Yeah, that's well, much like our hungry Howie's award as well for Player of the Year. This is all about you guys. You guys got to get on there and vote. Leading the way right now, uh, the Laker. From West Bloomfield, Lance Dixon leading the way. And and much like the Hungry Howie's Player of the Year, listen, you're automatically in there. If you get the online vote, you're automatically in there. And we're going to decide. It's 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 a fun process to kind of decide, uh, you know, who eventually gets the award. But certainly we wanted to make you a part of it as well. we got four Michigan State Spartans on this list. Uh, Berghorst, Lewis, Fletcher, and uh, Devante. And... Uh, a note about Lance Dixon, the the kind of all-everything outside linebacker, viper, safety for West Bloomfield, All-American. He's going to uh, be in the, at the Army All-American game in January. He was down at Happy, uh, in Happy Valley uh, this weekend on the sidelines oh. uh, watching uh, that Penn State-Ohio State game. What a great atmosphere. And he brought, uh, on, on, on possibly talking about future Anvil Award 
uh, list candidates. He brought his uh, his buddy Makari Page, who's a junior, a four star recruit, um, as a safety outside linebacker combo as well. He, they were both down at the Penn State game, and then uh, his other linebacker running mate Cornell Wheeler uh, committed to Michigan. So you know, West Millfield has three guys in the linebacking core that all could make strong arguments for being in uh, on this list right now. That's, that's what I was going to point out. To, to talk about the depth of this, we've got ten guys on here who are all going to Power Five schools, and some of them going very, very, you know, high level. We've got three guys that are on the watch list, or or should be on the watch list if they're not, that are going to Michigan that aren't even yeah. sniffing the top. <laughs> know. You know, Tyrese Wood from Belleville. We've got Maisie Smith from East Kent Wood, and Cornell Wheeler who just committed to Michigan. All of those guys are going to Michigan. They're really, really, yeah, really good dad. players, and they're not even on our top ten yeah. yet. And that's not because you know we think they're not good players because we clearly do. That's that's just indicative of what the depth is like in this, in this state you know, right in now. the state in these particular areas. Yeah, I called Matt right after I finished up my. Um, my my state champs top 50 players in the state and i'm like the depth is insane i got a guy at number 33 that's committed to michigan 33 well you know what and and matt to your point and and bernie i know you can speak on this this is also an indicator to how far this state has come it wasn't that long ago people you know well ohio texas florida and they still are make no mistake about it but michigan is fertile ground now and i think they're more spread out now Okay. Than they were, let's say, 20, 30 years ago. You were all always getting a lot from from right. Detroit, Metro Detroit, but you weren't sure. getting from the west side of the state like we have now, yep. and 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 from you know other parts of of the mitten. Well, you know, when we talked a couple of weeks ago with the recruiting report, when you get kids from Joburg that are you know popping up in recruiting circles, or you know kids from Widmore Prescott, or you know kids going to Penn State from it's it it is it's all over the all over yeah, the the map. Yeah, is that yeah. all? Yeah. Yep. Um, Kids are all over the map that are going to the state. They will find you if you play and you play well. And you, like you said, it's it's the depth is just amazing across the board. And it's not a coincidence that Ohio State all of a sudden in the last five years has found a way into Michigan after all those years where they really ignored yep. the state. Michael yep. Jordan. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, obviously the the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Georgias, the Clemsons are coming up here at with a much more frequency. I believe rookie at uh, River Rouge, the defensive end that's going to Clemson, is the first player from the state of Michigan to go to Clemson in at least like 40, 50 years. I don't know, maybe there was someone back in the fifties and sixties sure. are going, but you know, from the from the seventies forward, we haven't had anyone that has gone to Clemson. Well, listen, folks, make sure that you check that out. Go to statechamps.net. You can be a part of the process. And a big part of the process as well. Again, the online winner automatically moves on. That's just the way it is. That's how we want to thank you for being a part of that. So make sure that you participate in the Anvil Award and the Mr. Football Races. Uh, Also, we want to send a shout-out before we're out of here to LTU, MHSAA, Hungry Howies, and remind you that we're all going to reconvene in just a couple days, and you guys can check out the football forecast, which premieres every Thursday at 3 o'clock. Kevin, thank you as always. Matt Mowry has a busy day. Uh, he's got that ranking thing to figure out. I, I don't uh, I don't envy him of that. We might have to mic him up, get him in the war room, <laughs> and then kind of do it as a special pot. Special. I was going to say, Matt having arguments with Matt. That, yeah. that, would be, that would be really good. Bernie, always a pleasure. You're all over things. Johnny, you're always out there. For everybody involved, I'm Sean Belegian. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for checking us out on State Chance.